Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. I mean, granted, I, anything I've said to you, I would defend on the record. Yeah. I don't think I've said anything wrong. Yeah. I don't think I've said anything wrong. Hi, I'm James O'Keefe with Project Veritas. Jimmy Carr is an associate producer with CNN's morning show, New Day. Our releases about him and others last week exposed CNN's bias and radical fake news agenda. In a subsequent meeting with Carr, he doubled down about his statements and other anti-Trump comments. I just can't believe the, the arrogance of these people. I had a moment I had a moment of panic because on Sunday night, I met them on a Friday, on Sunday night, this anti-CNN advocacy guy released a bunch of tapes with him. Okay, so the, 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 the nothing burger thing came from a guy who secretly recorded his conversations with a CNN employee. Who did that? Just this right wing advocate. Hitler? Uh, Hitler youth? <laughs> a guy who hated CNN and was pro-Trump and wanted to expose CNN's lies. And he had met a guy and talked to them about CNN's coverage and recorded it secretly and released it at... When was this? It was on Sunday night, Monday morning. And it came out and we were all going, holy shit, how is this guy so stupid? He's talking to everyone and telling, saying X, Y, and Z about CNN. But then I went to there and I went, well, I talked to a couple of guys at a bar on Friday afternoon and I said things that we wouldn't normally say. I mean, granted, I, anything I've said to you, I would defend on the record. Yeah. I don't think I've said anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who had his phone on in his pocket. But so he was just talking to, but so he was just talking to a guy. No, it was, it was a secret recording. He had his phone voice recording in his pocket. Talking to him, talking about, hey, don't you think CNN's coverage is a little ridiculous right now? And this employee said, well, yeah, I think it's over the top, and right now it's kind of bullshit. But, I mean, that became the subject of three opening monologues on Fox News evening show. And I had the thought of, literally, I, I, I'm not bullshitting you. I literally went, holy shit, I hope those two guys that I met weren't trying to cover me and record me. I mean, granted, I, anything I've said to you, I would defend on the record. I don't think I've said anything wrong. We all recognize he is a clown, that he is hilariously un- unqualified for this, that he's really bad at this, and that he does not have America's best interests. We recognize it's just fucking crazy. Would it be fair to question the intellect of the American voter? Oh, no, they're stupid shit. So, Eliane Conway, what she look like? The, is she the one with the... She looks like she would give a shot. Carr also let it slip that he and his co-workers are not exactly fans of their anchor, Chris Cuomo. I don't have the, but I don't have the gravitas, so I Yes, Chris Cuomo is Andrew Cuomo's brother, the governor of New York. Well, there, that's, the, that's the gravitas. I've been sat I've last what, an hour and a half listening to you. You're really intelligent. You're very well spoken. I think you're far better presenter than Chris Cuomo. This is how you present the issue. I totally disagree with you. I'm not drunk. I, I, can't, I cannot technically say anything, but I can simply say that there's a lot of people spend a lot of time in the newsroom criticizing just the what? The same thing. Yeah, I. After our video last week, New Day anchor Allison Camerata sent an email to the panelist who she suspected leaked the new audio of the selectively edited video CNN released. 
She seemed to be expressing some level of anger about the leak. We believe that Jimmy Carr, John Bonifield, and Van Jones are just telling the truth about what's going on inside CNN newsrooms across the country. It's a toxic culture of anti-Trump bashing, ratings grabbing, and just plain lazy journalism. And in light of today's CNN video blackmail scandal, they'll have to raise their standards if they have any chance of regaining trust with the American people. Balance your journalism, stop reporting fake news, work a little harder, and maybe, just maybe, you'll have a chance to save yourselves. Them sorry sacks ain't gonna save themselves. Never happen. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Reed. Another crazy Project Veritas video just keeps coming and coming. And once again, you can't edit that, folks. You could try the deceptively edited or if those are real. This is like pulling back the curtain once again, like we did with the DNC. This is what liberals are. And as we'll go through this show, it's, I know, repetitive, but it's the same stuff. Every week, I put together two podcasts with the same shit. And today we got another faux outrage where a goddamn major, and excuse the GD, I try to stay away from GDs, but a major news network is basically blackmailed a citizen, a citizen, and said they were racist. Really? Yeah. Before we get to that, let's close the loop. This one's a big one, and, you know, I I could do a whole segment on this, just dogging the living shit. And for some reason, I always knew this, but I just never said it, and I didn't research it, and I don't know why I didn't, but finally, after one year of lying, New York Times corrected the 17 intel. it's, It's there, folks. Katie Turr, of course, still hasn't retracted this beautiful tweet because the internet is forever, as Greg Polowitz says. Here is a list of 17 U.S. intelligence agency offices that have the, have said Russia meddled in our election. And the reality after all those lies is it's three. Three. That's it. That is it. It wasn't 17. There isn't even 17 to begin with. But Jim Acosta, he's not going to change. Correspondent Jim Acosta aired on Thursday when he said it was fake news for President Trump speaking Thursday in Poland to state that there were three or four intelligence agencies who concluded the Russia had meddled in the 2016 election. Speaking on CNN's New Day, which we're going to do some New Day bashing today. <clears throat> Acosta wondered where Trump got the three or four figure from. Out of the 17, only the offices of DNI, CIA, and FBI, and the NSA have formally drawn that conclusion. The rest have not. He said, the other thing was the fake news coming from the president. who said, well, I keep hearing 17 intelligence agencies say Russian election. I think it's only three or four. Where does that number come from? The New York Times last week, you fucktard. 
Is, is he going to retract it? Fuck and no. He's not going to retract it. He's not. We're going to bash old Jimmy today. Jim, Jimmy is just being a bad, bad liberal reporter. Boing Boing's being bad. New NRA D. Loesch ad says Americans need the guns to shoot the resistance. Total lie. But it's still going. It's all over the net. Jim Acosta again about the stupid freaking meme that hurt everybody's feelings. Isn't pro wrestling fake? Donald Trump Jr. This should be the tweet of the day, but I decided to do it in the close of the loop. Yes, just like your coverage. <laughs> Brian Seltzer, who's from Reliable Sources, which will leave neither a reliable or a source, has now got a new name by Jenna Jameson. And when you get owned by a Jenna Jameson, a porn star, who, I think my wife doesn't listen to this, is still hot. She's like 40-something, but she's still hot. She's now calling him the following. You are a walking vagina. And that was all about the stupid gif. He was still posting, and that's what she said to him. Yeah. Sally Cohn added this insanely inaccurate pin tweet. Both sides a problem with hateful crazies. The difference is the left announces theirs, the right elect theirs president. That's what she said. While Cohn and regular contributor Paul Magala said the tweet was licensed for Trump followers to commit violence. Paul Magala. How long until the headline reads, GOP leaders notably silence Trump shoots someone on Fifth Avenue? She then tweeted again on CNN, 3 p.m. Eastern, discussing how the President of the United States apparently wants to kick me and my fellow journalists in the head. And apparently even CNN host believed it. Anchor Brooke Baldwin, this scares me, Mr. President, please stop. Anna Navarro, America stands against this, Trump is going to end up getting a media person killed with this incitement to violence. Maybe then he'll stop. I said to Brooke Baldwin, your liberal bias scares me. Anna Navarro, when the fuck do you speak for America? And why is it Trump? Remember when you just said Obama back in the day, you were fucking racist. But David Frum said something that's pretty interesting. Trump has brilliantly changed his subject from is he a Russian intelligent asset to is he a danger, dangerously violent lunatic. And that's pretty true. The media always talks about him changing the narrative, and then he changes the narrative, and they just go with it. They're stupid. That piece of shit, David Korn, President of the United States, instead of dealing with health care, ISIS, or the economy today, is tweeting about revenge porn. I don't even know what he's talking about. Greg Sargent from the Washington Post on CNN's Body Slam. Trump is declaring power to say what real, really reality is and giving his voters a stake in that power. Did a huge, long screed about it for WAPO. Not reading it. Casey Hunt. We just talked about this on Meet the Press. Imagine any journalist's face were that logo. I would probably jack off to that. I know it's crude and vulgar, but I probably would, Casey Hunt. I would think it was awesome. Because it's a goddamn meme. It's just a meme. This hyperbole, it goes back to last podcast, Lighter Fair. Or unless you want people to die. We, we have this faux outrage problem in our media that is just hilarious. You never did this with Obama. Where was, when they bring a knife, we bring a gun. We need to fight them in the street. You defended that just a month ago when Republicans got shot. You defended that wasn't real. That's a lie. 
and now a meme that some dude made on the internet with him body slamming a guy's face in a WWF bullshit from years ago that just happens to have a CNN logo on is inciting violence. Hmm. Byron York did an article, reflected on the president's tweet, in the run-up to the Iraq war, a Bush White House official explained to me that 9-11 had changed the way we read national security intelligence. There was a relaxed way to read intelligence, he said, and there was an alarm way to read it. September 11 proved that we had to read intelligence, say, on Iraq and weapons of mass destruction, an alarm way to avoid another disaster. Therefore, we had to invade Iraq. I thought of that conversation amid the reaction to President Trump's latest tweet showing him taking down CNN in a World Wrestling Entertainment video. There is a relaxed way to read the tweet, and there's an alarm way to read the tweet. The media political complex is choosing the alarmed way with a vengeance. Of course, because they fucking hate him. The relaxed way to read the tweet is that the president is, among other things, an entertainer. He was an entertainer when he was a real estate developer. He was an entertainer when he was a reality show producer and star, and he's an entertainer as president. That doesn't mean he's not other things. Trump Tower real, 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 Trump Tower really was built, for example, but it means that he knows how to communicate in the style of an entertainer. That's what he did in the WWE tweet. The alarm way to read the tweet is that the president is inciting violence against journalists. That is the way that most journalists chose to see it. The president of the United States is encouraging violence, tweeted Atlantic editor Jeffrey Goldberg Sunday morning. Sunday morning, still talking about Sunday morning. Reflecting what dozens of other established journalists were saying, CNN's statement in reaction to the president, plus that of Reporters Committee for Freedom of Press, and much the same. It's just an impression, but one could note that some journalists seem more alarmed by the president's tweet than by other recent examples of violent political expression. Kathy Griffin boldly holding what appeared to be Trump's bloody, severed head, or Trump a Caesar assassination, for example. That is probably because many journalists are simply more worried about the prospect of a right-wing violence than they are about the prospect of left-wing violence. SPLC, a favored source among some reporters, did not build up a nine-figured endowment by warning about violence from the left. Even with a real act of politically motivated violence, the shooting of Republican Steve Scalise, which turned out to be a left-wing attack, some found it less terrifying than the 2011 shooting of Republican or Representative Gabby Gifford, which in a weird way was not politically motivated at all. Motivated at all. Yes, all media outlets covered the Scalise shooting wall-to-wall on the first day and on the second, but on the third, as a commentary editor John Pedorts noted recently the news media focused on Gifford's shooting with less little else in the mix for a week three day post baseball field and they're moving on mm-hmm didn't care you had to get it out of the news cycle because it's bad for the left for those reasons the fact that many journalists are more worried about the prospects of right-wing violence than left-wing violence plus their belief that Trump is a threat to freedom of the press many in the reporting and commentary world chose to read the president's tweet in the most alarm way possible so back to Iraq as it turned out the most alarming reading of the intelligence led to a disastrous mistake the invasion of Iraq that doesn't mean it's a bad idea to read things in an alarm way it just means it's hard to know at the time I don't like the ending of that be quite honest it's not an alarm way So I got a chow a monster. I'm half asleep this morning, guys. It's the seventh of July, by the way, at like five in the morning. So I'm a little, a little, little loopy. They read it the way they wanted to. It's the same hyperbole that we're talking about. The ACHA is going to kill people, but we didn't know anything about Obama's Affordable Care Act, and we said it was going to save 20 million people. 
It's going to save lives. Didn't matter that it was going to cost people more money. Their premiums, including veterans, is going to triple. None of that shit mattered. It was just that a lefty did something that the left liked. All these media people want single payer. And of course, hey, their team was going to win one. I, I totally don't think it's an alarmed way. It is what our media does. They love the DNC. They hate the RNC. They support every Democratic president, even ones that get Hummers from interns. If a Republican president got a Hummer from an intern, it would be sexist. It would be horrible. It would be wall-to-wall coverage with he needs to be impeached. There were people talking about impeaching him over a tweet. Yeah. To our regular violence... NYPD officer was shot and killed in an unprovoked attack. She was a woman. Mother of three. 12 years of service. African American female. The media is really not covering it. And that makes me think, why aren't you covering it, media? Why? Oh, because police are bad. You're still sticking with the BLM shit, aren't you? Yeah. And that's just, that's just beautiful. Let's, let's, before I go on about this some more, because it just fucking angers me, let's do our tweets of the day. So Trump took a question from a reporter who was going to hire to be a press secretary or part of the press pool or the communication department in the White House. The media lost it, said it was fake news because he took that question. Every time I alt-right, white nationalist, racist reporter, which means somebody that's not liberal, and they don't really have any proof to the rest, gets a question, this is what the media does. So instant it. Just wraps a bow on the whole thing. Obama had a press revolving door and you guys were lined up to pass through it. How many people from the press worked for for Obama? How many people on the Obama administration were linked to major players in the media? We broke it down on the show. It was 12. Siblings. Children of. It's always funny, the hypocrisy. The hypocrisy is just so thick, I can't take it. Caddy K is a loser that goes on MSNBC all the time. She's on Morning Joe. Haven't seen GOP senators condemn the CNN wrestling tweet the way they did the ones about Morning Joe. Stephen Miller, we condemn this fake violence against a corporate logo. Bulls Law Dan, we condemn a Photoshop of a 10-year-old fake wrestling bit. Is that seriously what people want? And yeah, unfortunately, that's what the media does want. Stompy Mech. Wrestling isn't real. Neither is your outrage. And I freaking love that. <laughs> but our tweet of the day comes or derives from Matthew Dowd again, who's once again an independent. He likes to say that all the time. I had a conversation with a Navy SEAL the other day here in Texas. He said nearly every SEAL is embarrassed by the president, GOP leaders. 
Here are the replies. You sure you weren't just talking to an actual seal? Did you also talk to small child that decried the rapid decay in political civility? Because he also said that once. But Jesse Kelly has our tweet of the day. Matt went to Old Navy and talked to a cashier. I think it's always dangerous for somebody like Matthew Dowd, who's not connected to the military, to speak for all the military. I'm sure if he heard somebody say that, there was a, but he's the President of the United States, or something attached. Because last time I checked, most military people were like me. When asked a political question about the President, you're pretty quiet about it. Because you're a fucking soldier. It doesn't matter. And I notice how he didn't ask a lot of questions about Obama's lack of understanding that if you walk out of Iraq, it's going to turn to a stinking cesspool. Yeah, we didn't cover that. We had people on the trucks leaving Iraq. And it was a big... He won the war in Iraq, is what the idiots were saying. Hawk and Dove for our hate tweets. Stephen Hawking fears Trump could push Earth over the brink and start chain reaction, which wipes out humanity. The British professor fears global warming will cause temperatures to skyrocket beyond boiling point and sulfuric acid to rain from the sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He then had another article, Stephen Hawking's fear Donald Trump's decision to pull out the Paris Climate Change Agreement could be the tipping point, which wipes out humanity and turns our planet into a living hell. On other news, record summer cold continues as the North Pole, the short polar melt season almost half over, and hasn't actually begun yet because it's still cold as a witch's tit up there. That's from fucking NASA. But remember, we were told by the prophet, the high and holy one, Al Gore, who's doing a second movie, I saw the trailer the other day, about how it's still going to happen. Not now, but it's going to happen. We're supposed to be ice-free right now. Ice-free. I understand. We all should be aware of the Ides of March. But when you're always saying March is today and tomorrow and next year and everything you say is wrong and you fucking change your stick and call it global cooling to global warming to climate change so I have no fucking clue what you're calling it right now. It's hard for people to believe you. You just sound like a crazy dude holding up, you know, the end is nigh. Lauren Duke of that fucking piece of shit from Teen Vogue. Folks, if you think there are too many mistakes in modern journalism, let me tell you about inaccuracy in this one book called The Bible. Alex Griswold summed it up. Real mystery why people hate journalists. Can you believe she did that? But, but you know, once again, I keep saying it on the show. The left hates Christians. They'll suck up to every other religion except Christians. Trump took questions from the American media today in Poland, which CNN Jim Acosta called fake news conference. Trump finally held a news conference overseas, but he took a question for a friendly reporter and then attacked CNN as fake news. Isn't it a fake news conference to take questions from a reporter who is essentially an ally of the White House? He was bitching about Daily Mail's David Martosko, 
who interviewed for the job. One of the questions came from Porter who acknowledged he just talked to the White House about job last month. NBC News. You think it was Russia? Your intelligence agency says it was Russia. Why won't you say it was? Later on, NBC News bashed him again. NBC is equally as bad despite the fact that I made them a fortune with The Apprentice. Was his reply. We have more Acosta. Brian Seltzer, Jeff Zucker talked about Trump's attack. He's trying to bully us. We're not going to let him do it. Chris Saleza, I'm comfortable going to work in the Thunderdome every day. Chris Cuomo. <laughs> the Thunderdome. Seth Mandel. So it, it is Thunderdome or firefighters rushing into the flames a la Katie Couture. Just so I can tell journos in Syria how brave it is to work in Columbus Circle. Another tweeter, gosh, you guys are such hard case badasses. Marines envy your salty professional ability to look danger in the eye without blinking. These guys, man. Mmm. Thunderdome. Really, Cuomo? I hate to sound like a character from the Night's Watch, but the last time I saw you on the wall with the rifle was effing never. Shut the fuck up. Fire, fire, we run to the fire. Shut up! I saw you run after freaking damn Hillary when she was going to Chipotle. Leave it to a bonafide ghoul like Mom's Demand founder Shannon Watts to twist that into something grotesque. Anyone notice that the people Trump want to help are white? This is that anti-gun... I was going to see the C word, but I'll just say loser. Watts promotes herself as a crusader for children's safety and saving lives, but she's reducing the sympathy garnered by Charlie Gard's family fight to white supremacy. With all due respect, Shannon, and there's absolutely none due to you, get bent. Someone replied, NRA, and I notice you're a disgusting abomination. I guess there was a kid. There's other parts that I have in here. I... I don't want to cover every goddamn thing, but it was all twisted that it's a white kid. That's the only reason why he cares. But reality is, as we'll see in our hypocrisy section, I believe, they covered it finally. They weren't covering it. So is a child only worth covering if they're African-American? Is that what you're saying? There's a lot of hate for 4th of July. And we're going to have Samuel L. Jackson come on. Because there was a lot of stupid... Obama, first of all, went overseas and warns America about too much patriotism. While most Americans are gathering a family and community this weekend to celebrate the most exceptional country in the history of the world, Mr. Hope and Changey is half around the world talking doom and gloom and criticizing his successor. Barack Obama visited Indonesia, where he learned Islam this weekend, and his series of appearances attacked love of country and policies. The Guardian reports... Former president said some countries had adopted an aggressive kind of nationalism, increased resentment of minority groups in a speech in Indonesia on Saturday that could be seen as a commentary on a U.S. as well as Indonesia. It's been clear for a while that the world is at a crossroad and an inflection point, Obama said, telling a Jakarta crowd stories of how much the capital improved since he lived there as a child. But he said that increased prosperity had been accompanied by new global problems, adding that as the world confronts issues ranging from inequality to terrorism, some countries, both developed and less developed, 
had adopted a more aggressive and isolationist stance. We don't stand up for tolerance and moderation, respect for others. We begin to doubt ourselves and all that we have accomplished. Then much of the progress that we have made will not continue. What we will see is more and more people arguing against democracy. We'll see more and more people who are looking to restrict freedom of the press. And we'll see more intolerance, more tribal divisions, more ethnic divisions, and religious divisions, and more violence, Obama asserted. While former presidents rarely criticized their successor at home, Obama took the unusual step of doing so in a foreign country. Former From Bloomberg, former U.S. President Barack Obama has pointed to the importance of the Paris Climate Accord while criticizing Donald Trump. Trump said last month he would withdraw from the pack and blah, 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 blah. In Paris, we came together around the most ambitious agreement in history to fight climate change, Obama said Saturday in a speech at the opening of the 4th Congress of the Indonesian Diapora in Jakarta. He said it was an agreement that even with temporary absence of American leadership, will still give our children a fighting chance. The challenge of our times, whether it's economic inequality, changing climates, terrorism, mass migration. There are really challenges we're going to have to confront together. On the very same day, and in a sharp contrast, President Trump boasted about America and saluted veterans and celebrate Freedom Rally in Washington, D.C. America is a land rich with heroes, said Trump at an event which included wounded warriors who are patients at Walter Reed. During the speech, the president personally saluted World War II veteran Henry Miller for his lifelong service and wounded warrior Louis Avila. Miller enlisted in his reserves at 15, even though he was not old enough. He fought in Europe in the Battle of the Bulge. Avila, who served in Iraq and Afghanistan, was on the fifth deployment when he was wounded, losing his leg during an intelligence recon mission. We all bleed the same red blood, said Trump, promising an adoring crowd that America would win Again, since the signing of the Declaration of Independence 241 years ago, America always affirmed the liberty comes from our Creator. Our rights are given to us by God, and no earthly force can ever take those rights away. That is why my administration is transferring power out of Washington and returning that power back where it belongs, the people. Our religious liberty is enshrined in the very First Amendment, the Bill of Rights. The American founders invoked our Creators four times the Declaration of Independence. Benjamin Franklin reminds his colleagues at the Constitutional Convention to begin by bowing their heads in prayer. Inscribed on our currency are the words, in God we trust. I'm sorry, Trump's an idiot. I think he should stop tweeting. But that's more American than being overseas saying America sucks ass and all we need to worry about is immigrating everybody into our fucking country. ISIS is the fucking JV and Paris Climate Accord is more important than actually killing ISIS. Sorry, folks. I, he speaks the words that got him elected. America's sick of that shit. Remember, everything he said, Hillary Clinton just said in a higher voice. She lost. Joy Reid, though, decided just to be the ugly fucking piece of shit she is. And so did half the other of the resistance. It's strange Independence Day with a president who embarrasses us, his supine, shameless party man, and the millions who just don't care. Tweets to her, first 4th of July in my life where my heart isn't in it. I get ya. I almost feel like it could be one of my last. One of the last 4th of Julys. That's what somebody said. First time in my long life, I feel a genuine sadness on this holiday. Division, bigotry, hatred. Hardly the United States of America. Bigotry and hatred. Yeah, you hate everybody in America. You're the bigot. Thank you. I just can't with July 4th anymore. The more I look at the history, the more I think it should be a day of atonement. Not celebration. 
This year, I don't feel very celebratory. America's not great anymore. We are laughing stocks of the world. Elizabeth D. Leonard. Not much to celebrate except the stunning courage of journalists like you, Joy Reid, and the millions of protesters who keep resisting. With that post, she put an upside-down flag. Matt Tabi. How many of the Declaration of Independence signatories would have rethought things if shown a future tape of Trump? Somebody said back, look, Trump's terrible, but to say that he could invalidate all the good things that America's done is just stupid hyperbole. Salon said to everybody else, hold my beer. Salon writer flies flag upside down on July 4th to single America's much better than Trump. And a Monday piece, Salon Chauncey de Vega, a very hateful troll, urged people of conscious and true patriotism to fly their American flags upside down on Tuesday, the 4th of July, as a collective signal of our national distress over Donald Trump's presidency. American citizens have been traumatized. The national, national mood is sour. Racism and bigotry are publicly resurgent. I think I have no proof of that statement, but okay. And political violence is on the rise from the left, mind you, but he didn't put that in there. Many of Trump's supporters appear to live in an alternate reality. No, you guys are the ones with the fucking website, Hillary won. Created by the great leader in the right-wing propaganda machine, through Trump's presidency, they wish to impose a political cult on the United States. And to Vegas' view, upside-down flags would symbolize that Americans as individuals and as people are much better than Donald Trump and what he represents. Mr. DeVega's piece boldly added, This July force will be the first with Donald Trump as President of the United States. The country is in distress. Donald Trump and the Republican Party are largely responsible. They're trying to oppose a health care bill that could be reasonably called a crime against humanity. Trump and his 2016 presidential campaign are under federal investigation for conspiring with foreign power to undermine American democracy, and that's a year you've proved nothing. Whatever the investigation may reveal, this is an unprecedented event in American history. The social safety net and the very idea of the commons have been targeted for destruction by the Trump and the GOP. Trump has debased the office of presidency. The Republic Party and their corporate news media enable him. Upside-down flags would signal that the United States, the country where president, is not above the law. That they would signal that Donald Trump does not represent the majority of Americans... They would signal that many Americans do not view Donald Trump as a legitimate president. I am well aware the supporters of the Tea, flag, tea Party flew American flags upside down for several years and what they perceived as a patriotic protest against former President Barack Obama. But patriotism, patriotism could not be surrendered to the right-wingers, the zealots, the jingists, the racists. It is time for the rest of us, the vast majority who support a pluralistic, forward-looking vision of America, to reclaim it! These people hate America. I don't even know why you live here. Because if everything is that bad, you own power for eight years. What did the dear one do? So, upside down flags. Oh, we're going to get to our motherfucker. These all just build up to the motherfucker. Colin Kaepernick travels home to Ghana to trash U.S. How can we truly celebrate independence on a day that intentionally robbed our ancestors of theirs? To find my independence, I went home to Ghana. 53,000 people 
like that racist rant. And remember, this is just a a tip of the iceberg. But the motherfucker of the day is Dan Errol. He's just one of many who tweeted happy fourth with a burning upside down flag. But thankfully somebody tweeted this piece of shit. Go fuck yourself. Also, drop to your knees and thank God that you live in a country where that's legal. You know, I was crushed in 2012. Not because I loved Romney so much, but that a president can let people die in a foreign country, get away with it, and then America would be duped by a video that just talked about 47%. That that's, was just astounding to me. The economy wasn't improving that much. We'd had the IRS scandal. We'd had the GSA scandal. Fast and furious. We had a lot of shit. That, you know, you got out of the mainstream media who didn't cover it. You realize they pled the fifth. They just blew everything off. But when I was upset, I took my flag down. I didn't burn it, didn't put it upside down. I did respect the flag. Because the flag, unlike you pieces of fucking shit on the left, is a banner that I fought under, that my forefathers fought under, that a lineage of men that goes back to the freaking war for independence fought for. It's not just a piece of cloth like you think. So yes, I'm one of those vets that if I found somebody burning it, I would probably put the flag Fire out with your goddamn face because you're a piece of fucking shit. But this is beyond political statements. This is un-American conduct. And I say to all of you, if you hate this country so much, because you do, it's not about Trump, you hate your fellow Americans, get the fuck out. Go move to Canada with Trudeau and the altruistic nirvana he's trying to build. Go live in Paris. Go to a country that believes in this utopian, we all pay for everything, we all get a chunk of bread and a cup of soup in the line. Go live your communist, socialist fucking fantasy. That goes for you too, Patrick. Get the fuck up, leave. Because there's a rest of the country who doesn't believe your bullshit, who doesn't think the most important thing is to try to get the rights that are not being violated for midget transgender gay people. We, we don't give a fuck about that because it's not an issue. More on that later. I had a great conversation on that. It's just the ignorance 
on the left is beyond anything. So without a bumper, we're going to hypocrisy. Remember when Barack Obama's words matter speech? It was a really good speech. Anyway, CNN's Chris Elizabeth appears that words don't matter, and he feels he can use the words he wants if he's criticizing the president. Chris Elizabeth, if you are a Republican elected official waking up to Trump's unwillingness to say Russia hacked the election, better go back to bed. Sean Davis, there's zero evidence Russia hacked the election. But don't let facts get in the way of fake news. David Harrison, anyone who says Russia hacked the election would be lying to the American people. And that is spot on. Another guy, forget the meme wars, feigned obtuseness and hyper-literal fact-checking are the most obnoxious trends in journalism. He set that up for Alex Griswold. Trump, China trade was North Korea increased by almost 40%. NYT fact-checked it 37.4. They felt they had to fact-check it. Obama rounded the fuck up all the time. You don't have a problem with that, New York Times. You had no issue with it. None whatsoever. <sighs> Nancy's at Vox had a screech about racism. The fundamental question of our time is whether the West has the will to survive. He said employing the same life-or-death language as inaugural speech. This is, of course, about Obama's bullshit. America's carnage of urban crime. Do we have the confidence in our values to defend them at any cost? Do we have the enough respect for our citizens to protect our borders? Do we have the desire and the courage to preserve our civilization in the face of those who would subvert and destroy it? Zach Beauchamp. I guess I set this up wrong. This is actually Trump's speech. This is an astonishing line coming from a U.S. president. This is what the alt-right has been saying for years. He then says, Most of us see the West crisis as being the weakening of its commitment to liberal values. Trump sees said weakening as the solution. He then said, because the real threat to the West and Trump's eyes, as far as I can tell from his speech, is non-white immigrants. Texas machine. If you shout racist loudly enough, enough times, it's sure to convince everyone eventually. I, I don't know where he got it from that paragraph. But that's Vox. And he's a twat. And I told him so. Chuck Todd, a trashing of the American press corps and intel community in Eastern Europe of all places. Could Putin have asked for anything more? Alex Pfeiffer replied, great analysis, Chuck. I'm sure Putin also loved Trump's commitment to Article 5 and the sale of Patriot missile defenses to Poland. Donald Trump Jr., CNN, let's corner the market on anything stupid and overly sensational. NBC, hold my beer. (laughs) The problem was there was actually a live broadcast on CNN where they actually praised the speech. But not the solid left reporters. They couldn't do it. New York Times National News, dozen of Iraqi Christians in the U.S. may be deported by the Trump administration. But in the article, paragraph 10, the green cards were revoked after criminal convictions on charges including rape and murder. Paul Sodalra, boy, the New York Times really buried this important paragraph. Though most of them seem came here illegally as refugees or through relatives who were American citizens, the green cards were revoked after criminal convictions on charges including theft, drug possession, rape, and murder. 
According to the New York Times, also, the only reason they weren't deported earlier, like under the Obama administration, was because Iraq wouldn't issue them travel documents. So Trump's a bad guy for doing what Obama wouldn't do. Yeah. Nice. The DCCC decided to come out with a bumper sticker campaign. Resist, persist. She persisted. We resisted. Um, it's been a whirlwind of a year, but you've been with us every step of the way. So we want to thank you with a new sticker. The last one is something with, I don't know. They're just fucking horrible. Everybody dogged them. Mazal Tov Cocktail. Dams are asking people to vote on a new sticker, and I'm not sure anyone in history has been as bad as this. Jonathan Bernstein. Formal party sloganeering will have zero effect. Two, should properly be judged as a list-building exercise. Three, yeah, they're goddamn awful. And he's a left. Seth Mandel. She persisted, we resisted. Democrats are basically going into 2018 with you haven't heard my side of the story, officer. (laughs) Oh, God. As previously referenced, Trump tweet forces network to cover Charlie Gard, while President Trump tweet frequently sparked a bank controversy. His latest one is oddly inspiring media support, or at the very least, positive media coverage. The major networks initially refused to cover the story of Charlie Gard, but all that changed after the president offered to help the terminally ill British baby. Charlie, who turned 11 months on Independence Day, would lose life support any day now due to the European Court of Human Rights decision in Charlie's best interest. And now networks like CBS are going as so far as to credit Trump tweet as part of the parents' final hope. Shortly after his birth, Charlie was diagnosed with infantile onset encephalic microdronial DNA, whatever, MDDS. The rare genetic condition and brain damage has left Charlie deaf and blind, subject to seizure, and unable to move his limbs or breathe. After his doctor suggested removing Charlie's ventilator, parent Chris Gard and Connie Yates sought legal permission to bring their baby to the U.S. for experimental therapy. But court after court sided with Charlie's doctor at London Great Ormond Street Hospital, and last week the parents lost their final legal appeal, despite raising $1.3 million on crowdfunding. While British News has long covered the tragic case, American Big Broadcasting kept quiet. That's until he tweeted it, and then they covered it. And now the baby's going to get taken care of. But of course, as we already covered, it's racist because it's a white baby. Mm, okay. MSNBC panel bemoans impartiality as a mistake of the past and a disservice. MSDNC's self-crowned political referee Chuck Todd appeared to throw in a towel on enforcing D.C. political rules, or at least the journalistic ones. During the first segment of Monday's MTP Daily, Todd and two of his panelists, Brian Karam and David Folkenflick, whined about how the media was expected to be impartial with President Trump attacking them. But look, two generations of us as reporters were trained and conditioned to don't show emotion. We're the umpires and the referees, Todd claimed. When have you ever been the referee? If you are, you're home cook because you just, you're not a referee, Todd. 
When somebody is insisting on making you the story, what do you do? I struggle with it. It was clear that Todd didn't know how to be unbiased reporter as he opined about how he and other journalists were trained to deal with Trump's moral failings. Somebody tweeted that journalists today were never trained to cover moral failings very well. And in some ways, that is what makes this more difficult. We're not good with having to say what's right and wrong sometimes because, again, we have been trained to, to dispassionate an umpire. He also championed Brian Kareem, who recently flipped his lid and yelled at Deputy Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee, and you gave voice this when you said, we're just trying to do our jobs. What are you talking about? NPR's David Fulkenflick expanded upon Todd's frustrations. You and I were trained on the idea of being down the middle and scrupulously impartial, and you've seen recalibration of the idea that don't always capture not only the facts in front of you, but the truth of those facts assembled to become. But the idea of saying, well, this is one hand and this is the other hand, and therefore we've captured a journalistic fairness, is often a deep disservice. Folks in these actions and this language was being used by a leader in different country. Our State Department would be saying, hmm, that country is inching towards authoritarianism because you're usually the first sign when you try to delegitimize the press. And he just goes on. They, these people really believe they're unbiased. And I have no fucking clue where they get that idea. Because as we're about to listen to our media mash, these people fucking hate America. This was all around the 4th of July. CNN, America's racist. Joan Walsh, America's scared of brown people. CBS sneers Trump will give intel to Putin. And then two more from CNN. Voter frog is just dog whistles for voter suppression well i mean i think that uh you know often america's politicians and then also americans in general who are not chinese assume there's some sort of strong connection to china but when it comes right down to it for many chinese people they've been in this country for many several generations so they may have been to china but they don't have they are americans they just happen to be chinese americans but we often force them to sort of answer for China's sins because that's how we work in this country. You look like those people, so you must be those people. So when really the show tonight, the show on Sunday is about how there's a Chinese American identity that is holy, that is in some ways wholly separate from China. I, I mean, this it's on us. We allow people to appeal to our basis fears a lot of times, and I think that that's why President Trump is in office is because he appeared he appealed to some of the basis fears of Americans, of some Americans. And so, when you start to sell the fear, you forget the fact. You're like, wait a minute, I actually do like my neighbors. I do like the undocumented Latino family across the street. They're very nice. They're very helpful. We've written a lot about history, particularly the history of the shift among a lot of white working class Americans from being sort of New Deal, you know, pro big government, essentially. <laughs> liberals right. to being very, very conservative by the time of Ronald Reagan. How much of that is this sense when they look out at the world and look at the United States, they see that browning of the country as somehow a threat to them? Well, I think it's, it's inescapable that that's part of it. I, you know, the, the really good research that's taken place since the election shows that fear of a changing America is the number one factor that you can see drive, that really divides a Trump, a white Trump voter from a uh, white non-Trump voter, that it's fears of brown people fears of losing uh, the majority. But you know what's also sad to me is that this cohort, I wrote about my own Irish Catholic working class family, this cohort 
is used to be so patriotic and so much America, love it or leave it, things that I didn't like about it, but that was just so stirred by this country's, what they perceived as its values. Yeah. And now much of the same cohort is with Donald Trump, dismissing the Russia allegations, doing nothing uh, to support the people who are trying to get answers. And I find this kind of relative, this relativity about, well, you know, if my guy doesn't think it's important or if my guy might even be threatened by it, then I don't care either. That is not patriotism. Yeah. That is something else entirely. And, you know, and Rob, you have, have the president also said back in April that it's an all-time low, the relationship between Russia and the U.S. So what do you think is going to really come from this? Look, the bar is not very high in the sense that if the president doesn't give away classified information to the Russians, that's going to be seen as an achievement. If he doesn't have uh, these photo ops where he looks like he's you know, very cordial and comfortable with Vladimir Putin, that will be an achievement as well. Is there a second line? to this story in terms of what this commission's about other than the obvious, which is trying to put meat on the bones of a BS allegation. Well, that's right. They're, they're trying to put meat on the bones of a BS allegation. To do so you're saying, they're saying it's about stopping voter fraud, but these efforts go to voter suppression? I, I, absolutely. Absolutely. Because this, in, in some respects, I think the advocates that are, are calling it suppression or the prelude to suppression have a point, which is that this is intended to sort of put up uh, this sort of cloud of wrongdoing, which will then give individual states, which is where elections are really controlled anyway, give them the predicate to sort of say, you know, no more early voting, you know, or uh, we're not going to accept all kinds of different ID. We're going to make it harder and harder for people to register and get and, and get their votes counted. This seems to be really kind of what the end goal is. And of course, Chris Kobach's personal history sort of leads you to conclude that this is something that he's been associated with all along. According to the data, this is a solution in search of a problem. I, I mean, there's no other way to put it, Allison. Uh, there's, there's been extensive studies done, not one, not partisan, extensive studies done of elections uh, and, and alleged voter fraud. Yeah. You think you, do, you want to deal with the problem of you have all these eligible voters in this country that don't vote. Right. You think that you right. want to be increasing uh, participation. A good election is where the voters of the state or the voters of the nation make the decision. Right. And that's all I want. Right. I want but to make sure that the want, voters make the decision and that they know that their vote counts. But if that's all you want is to make sure that you have the most full participation in the fairest election. You wouldn't be doing this. You would be doing all you can to encourage all the, ineligible, all the eligible voters you have who don't vote to vote. But you're not doing that. If you really well, actually, cared about I've voter ID, state, you would do it at a time outside an election cycle. Because when you do ID during an election cycle, as we both know, we've seen it go all the way to the Supreme Court now with the North Carolina case, it has a chilling effect. You keep people home. You have people who don't have IDs. So if you really care, why don't you try to get the eligible voters to come out and participate? Why don't you do voter ID outside the election cycle so it doesn't have a chilling effect? You're not doing those things. Why? Well, actually, we're implementing voter ID right now before we get back in cycle uh, for a U.S. Senate race and a, and a statewide uh, state auditor race next year. <laughs>
Stats of the day. Voter, voters support limited travel ban by 60%. Media will never cover that. Six in ten Americans agree with it. And they always have. Federal agents just paid a visit to Kathy Griffin and grilled her for over an hour. This was on the 5th of July. So there's hope that maybe she'll get in trouble. Or it was the 3rd of July, excuse me. It's fantastic. I'm really looking forward to that. I hope she goes to jail. And some more trust in media came up with Brian Seltzer. This is a Fox News soundbite. Before we start, more Americans trust White House than the media. Trump administration, 37%. Media, 30%. Congress, 29%. This is an NPR PBS poll for you lefties. That's your team. That is liberally weighted, which probably is bad news for you. We will listen to this soundbite. We'll go to a music break, and we'll go into a short segment on some more faux, faux outrage. It'll start with a soundbite from New Day. All right, well, CNN senior media correspondent Brian Stelter now blaming President Trump for Americans' distrust of the media. While Stelter admits the president needs to do some, quote, soul-searching about their unpopularity, he also points the finger pretty firmly at the president. Watch this. Partly, these are self-inflicted wounds over the course of decades, but a lot of the reasons for distrust of media has to do with politicians like President Trump telling people not to trust the media. We could do a better job telling our own story and explaining how this is real news, not fake news. Mm, but take a listen to this. Gallup <laughs> polls have shown Americans' trust in the media has been dropping and dropping a lot for years, long before President Trump even came onto the political scene. And a newly released poll shows more Americans trust the Trump administration than they do the media or even Congress. I mean, take a look at that. Media, 30 percent. Congress, 29 percent. They're pretty much neck and neck. Megan, I'm going to go first to you on this. Sure. Are you surprised at all? I mean, when you look at much of the media today, um, and I've been saying this for a while, there's really not a lot of difference between the tabloids and the media. I mean, no one uses sources anymore. You mm -hmm. look at even, we were talking CNN there, they used the cover of the National Enquirer last week, and it was a fake cover of the National Enquirer. I mean, are you surprised Americans have lost trust in the media? No, I haven't. And I think during the election, it was brutally showcased how disconnected so many people, especially so many journalists, are from average Americans. I remember having a conversation on this couch with you, Melissa, talking about the Ivanka Trump voter, yes. the white college-educated yes. mythical woman who they said would never vote for Trump, who ended up coming out in droves. And I remember people mocking you and I over yeah. that conversation. And I think if you want to come on television as a commentator and you want to talk about politics in America, if you don't know someone or you're not related to someone who voted for President Trump, you have absolutely no business doing it. Because if you don't have the the wherewithal to actually talk to Americans who live in the middle of the country, not in D.C., not in L.A., not in San Francisco, and I think part of the problem, especially with CNN right now, is that there is such a massive distrust with the commentators they have on television, because I think a lot of Americans feel lied to by that. Well, to that point, I, mean, I travel the country talking to a lot of the people out there who voted for Trump. They feel like for years they have never had a voice. They've never had someone fighting for them, speaking for them that the mainstream media has never spoken to them and they are happy the president is fighting whether you agree with his tweets or not but there is this disconnect between what the media is saying and reporting on and how much the country is feeling about this time well when i look at the numbers that you were citing there i think gosh you know 70 percent of the american people don't trust him or the media these numbers aren't great for the media or him 
but I will say this, that you have such a change in American media in all of our lifetimes, mm -hmm. and more and more of niche media, so people yes. distrust and yes. are angry at any media that doesn't confirm their pre-existing opinion. Yeah, they don't want to hear from those people. Those people are obnoxious. But They're by rude. By the way, yeah. I became a journalist. It's the only thing I've ever done professionally um, 23 years ago. My father said to me, good. You're joining a group of people who have the least amount of trust among the American people <laughs> on the planet, oh, and no. you're going to be held in lower regard than a used car salesman. Good luck with that. <laughs> so this is not something new. The one thing that does upset me, there are so many great journalists out there. I read the Wall Street Journal um, front to back every single day, and there's so many stories that we would not have known about without the Wall Street Journal. The ransom payment to Iran, the yeah. palace of cash sent mm -hmm. in the middle of the night, the, um, the blood testing company that um, was uncovered by um, that we that basically this blood testing yeah. company that was um, that well let me just say, say a good word for journalists let me just tell you in Mexico these days they're killing journalists we in America have in our Constitution protections for a free press because it holds people of power including those who are corrupt or self-serving mm -hmm. to account that's what the press should be doing and we as we sit here we discuss these things we're part of this and I don't like the idea that we're called an enemy of the American people. To well, me, and, that's no, a no, no, no. But every here's time, the every thing. time I tweet about some great article, I don't want somebody belching back at me, fake news. Because you know what? Read the article first, and yeah. then we can do
Flyover Politics, the show for normal Americans. Increasing uh, participation. Okay, so another issue that came up here. It, something remarkable I thought happened yesterday. I thought it was remarkable that CNN found this, the Reddit user who created the gif of, you know, Donald Trump in the wrestling video and where he punches CNN. So the investigative team went back and found the guy who first created this. He took credit for it. And then here comes the remarkable part. He apologized. Mm -hmm. He apologized for having done this. How often do you hear someone who creates a video that goes viral then say this? This is what he told CNN. I would like to apologize for the posts made that were racist, bigoted, and anti-Semitic. These are the other posts that were on his account. I am in no way this kind of person. I would never support any kind of violence or actions against others simply for what they believe in, nor would I carry out any violence against anyone based upon that or support anyone who did. He went on. He was so... But then why is there so much stuff on his account? He, he deleted it. But why was it there in the first place? Because, he, I mean, in his apology, he says, you know, he thought that these things were sort of funny. He liked getting a rise out of people online. But there was so obvious. He also went on to say that of. he had become addicted to the hate, addicted to the, the ginning up of people, uh, because this is what happened. He has a medical condition. Honestly, he has a The reason that I think this is so notable, Crystal, is because... This is a very full-throated, I think, genuine, honest apology. He has also asked that we not reveal his name or whereabouts, and we at CNN are honoring that because he's apologized, and he thinks that he would then be in danger and at risk if other people knew his name. We get it. We understand that. So I don't know. I just think that this is just a very interesting addendum to this whole story. It was certainly not the outcome I would have thought once we tracked him down. Uh, you know, and, and I think it's actually a nice thing. But I would remind people, I unless I'm mistaken, I saw the white, I saw quotes coming out of the White House uh, over the weekend saying this Donald Trump did not get this image from Reddit. So where, where did, did it from? come from? Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, I hate to say, I think it's almost certain he did. But then why is the White House saying he didn't? I mean, there's, you know, the, 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 this. I took, sorry, Allison, I took a nice thing, which was a guy at, at least being willing to, to say, when exposed, I shouldn't have done this. When exposed but, and identified, he then right. decided to apologize Good for enough. multiple entries on his account. I get that you. all go to the same thing. I get you, but a lot of people don't apologize even when exposed. I mean, I just see this as a possible glimmer of hope. But the point is, is why did why why is the White House on the record saying that's not where he got it from? I mean, he got it from somewhere, right? I mean, Donald Trump didn't build that gift. I hope. I hope he's got better things to do. Uh, he didn't build, so it came from somewhere. In, in, and if this guy's saying, "Yeah, I did it," and it, it's me, I shouldn't have done it. The, why is the White House saying, "Nope, that's not it"? Where did it come from? I mean, I know this is going to get overshadowed, and probably r rightly so, frankly, get the G20, North Korea, the stuff we talked about in the first segment. But it is just one of the many logical inconsistencies that come out of the White House that there's so many, frankly, that it's hard to cover them all. That's a I wanted to sink in what you just heard. That was two reporters, major reporters, on a morning show gloating that a network chased down a private citizen and blackmailed him. Chris Cuomo, who Chris Cuomo, which is Chris Cuomo, the liberal son 
of a liberal icon who somehow is a supposed to be straight up the middle journalist tweeted and then deleted should CNN reveal name of Reddit user who made Trump wrestling video had a lot of bigoted and hateful material on page and website which nobody has confirmed at all and I want you for this segment liberals like Page in Oregon and Patrick understand if Fox News did this what would you be saying that's how I need you to apply it because understand anybody other than you CNN is a lefty show or net lefty network they were Hillary Clinton's arm with MSDNC during the election that's why they were called the Clinton News Network by everybody but you people so Craig Newman, seeing it looks pretty petty as hell doing this. Also, are they going to crusade against every asshat on Reddit who makes a meme? Chris Cuomo, we know the age, delete a tweet because this is not a simply simple tweet discussion. How handle an apology when expose someone? Is clip the issue? No, it's not. At all. It's a fucking meme. And by the time we're done, everybody's done one now. Everybody's baiting them. Come and get me. Go ahead and dox me. Which for you that don't know what that means, they give out your personal information and try to excoriate, you know, ex, you know, exterminate you online as a racist or whatever. Because let's be honest. Everything now, if you say anything positive pro-Trump, you're a white nationalist. If you say anything about immigration, you're you're freaking a jingoist. I mean, come on. If I say, as I have on this show numerous times, that Black Lives Matter is a racist organization, I'm the racist. That's how the left does it, because that's their technique. They, they shut down opposition by labeling everybody and demeaning them and make them scared. But I'm no longer scared. Racists don't mean nothing no more. Don't mean nothing. You, you've just fucking belittled the word. So my icon, John Gibson, did a great article on this. Hard to beat this for a laugh. After not being able to locate evidence of collusion between President Trump and Vladimir Putin to upend the American election last November, even after devoting enormous resources to the quest, CNN managed to instantly track down the person who created the now infamous Trump takedown CNN wrestling gift. CNN seemed proud of its sleuthing, bragging on its website how it managed to find the miscreant. Once nabbed by the journalistic detectives, the guilty party described by CNN as a man fell over himself apologizing. The meme was created purely as satire, was not meant to be a call to violence against CNN or any other news affiliate, he wrote. I had no idea anyone would have taken it and put it sound to it than have it put on the president's Twitter feed. It was a prank, nothing more. I have the highest respect for the journalistic community, and they put their lives on the line every day with the job that they do in reporting the news. CNN added that it was not revealing the identity of the mystery satirist because he promised to never do it again. And then CNN added honestly that it reserved the right to reveal the person's identity and other information about him if he was not compliant with the agreement between them. That caused outrage of its own. After all, CNN was basically blackmailing the person, threatening to doxing if the person pointed his sense of humor at the network again. So lesson learned, make fun of CNN at your own risk. People with hurt feelings at a network will come after you. To me, this was all done by Andrew Kaczynski. And Andrew Kaczynski 
That's his job. He's a super lefty. He's gone after people. He ruined a lady's life who said something that could have been taken as racist while she was getting on a plane. He did this for um, BuzzFeed. By the time that poor lady landed, she had lost her job. A three-hour flight. Over a tweet that I didn't think was racist at all, but because the super left don't like you ever talking about their narrative, she was done. Now, I work at a job that's political. I know if I said anything on my Facebook that could be partially, like the other day I retweeted some memories about Hillary. Somebody could see it. I could get fired, but I don't give a fuck. I got a disability, I got a pension check. I'm doing okay. So I don't give a fuck. But is that the world we're living in now? You say something about a, a, CN, a, a media network and they're going to chase you down? A private citizen? Are we not talking about authoritarianism and fascists? And yet every time I turn around, the left is the fascist. They're either sicking their Antifa mob on people, or you have media networks chasing down a poor bastard who made a funny gif. A fake meme. They hyperbole it to be anything they want, and then they stop because, you know, it didn't work. American people laughed at it, and they blackmail them. To me, and I don't know who did this. Let me let me flash. I have it later on, but it, it is just, it is fucking hilarious. But that whole thing sounds like a hostage video, all right? And I was going to use it as a closer for this because I found it, and it's really funny. Who made it? Um, uh, let me pause. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> Patrick Heaton. It's way back here. I stuck it because I got a lot of shit to show how fucked up CNN is. It was The Blaze. The Blaze made this video, and to me... I'm going to play it to close the show as a lighter fare, because I guess that's where I put it. But this sums up what that poor bastard had to write. And it comes right out of the ISIS playbook. Hello. For those who do not know me, I am the guy who made that gift that one time that tarnished the reputation of the respected and much loved by the people CNN. It is with great regret that I made this gift that gave credence to the false and dishonorable Donald Trump, who is totally not in bed with the Russians and who lost the popular vote to the great and rightful President Hillary Clinton. Blessed be her name. I wish to denounce my gift against CNN to, ah, uh, to the trustworthy and truthful CNN, who is totally not fake news, and vow never to besmirch the good name with wrong think or the utilization of rights that it turns out are totally not given to us by God, but by the widely loved and recognized CNN, who has more rights to information and distribution of said information, as we were graciously told during the WikiLeaks scandal. I strongly urge my fellow consumers not to watch any network but the honest and good network CNN, and wish to dissuade anyone on Reddit, Poll, or Twitter from making any more memes or GIFs that would attempt to tarnish the accurate, factual, and totally not in bed with any political party, CNN. Thank you. That's what it is. It's a hostage video. And behind it was a terrorist with a CNN banner. You can look it up.
It's true. That's what they just did. So Mike Cervovich, how brave a CNN, a multi-billion dollar corporation, goes after a private citizen. Andrews Kaczynski. CNN specifically chose not to reveal this guy's identity and say we threaten anyone is a total lie. Beaker, we accept your apology but reserve the right to completely ruin your life. That sounds legit. CNN accused of threatening to reveal private citizens' identity over Trump wrestling video. Julian Assange released something and pretty much said, you know what, you guys are fuckheads. CNN has come under fire for suggesting and published the identity of private citizen. Andrew Kaczynski, senior editor of CNN's K-File, discovered the identity of the Reddit user who made a short video of President Trump taking, tackling a man with a CNN logo superimposed on his face. CNN is holding the man's identity because he is a private citizen who has issued an extensive statement of apology, showed his remorse by saying he has taken down all his offending posts, and because he said he's not going to repeat this ugly behavior on social media again. Mr. Kaczynski wrote in an article published Tuesday night, CNN reserves the right to publish his identity should any of that change. CNN spokesman said the network decided not to publish the name of the Reddit user out of concern for his safety. Any assertion the network blackmailed or coerced him is false. The user, who is an adult male, not a 15-year-old boy, apologized and deleted this account before ever speaking with a reporter. CNN never made any deal of any kind with the user. In fact, CNN included a decision to withhold the user's identity and an effort to completely transparent that there was no deal. The video taken from a 2000 World Wrestling Entertainment show in which Mr. Trump made an appearance. Mr. Trump, once again, we're not going to put... President, because that's okay. But I want to remind you, that is racist. Just a year ago. Made an appearance, caused a fire, someone was posted on Twitter. CNN denounced the president of the time, said the tweet would encourage violence. A man behind the video who goes by the Reddit usernamer Han Asshole Solo, which I think is pretty funny, posted an apology. We already read it. In a tweet Tuesday night, Mr. Kaczynski and CNN's intent was misrepresented. The last, this line is being misinterpreted. It was intended only to mean that we made no agreement with the man and his identity. FYI, Han Asshole Solo just called me. I am in total agreement with your statement. I was not threatened in any way. That's such a lie. Nevertheless, a swift backlash of social media ensued, which user accused CNN of engaging in extremely unethical behavior and used the hashtag, hashtag CNN blackmail. German Lopez. Problem is, the internet is not proportional. This person was a jerk, sure, but revealing his idea would lead to death threats, job risk, etc. I can't emphasize how bad this is on CNN's part. This is basically, don't post stuff we don't like or we'll dox you. Stephen Miller. We're not the enemy of the American people. We'll just hunt you down and ruin the life of every American who makes fun of us online. WowKeyLeaks. A news organization saying reserve the right to dox someone if they don't do what we want is a total non-issue. Don't worry, guys. John Gabriel. CNN should hire a few adults. To which he tweeted this. This isn't Kaczynski's first attempt at destroying a private citizen. As a BuzzFeed reporter, he gained notorious notoriety for publicizing a lame joke tweeted by a 30-year-old PR director named Justine Sacco. This is to prove I'm not making shit up for you lefties. As Sako was boarding a plane from London to Cape Town, South Africa, she poked fun at many people's poor understanding of the continent. Kaczynski decided the joke was racist and helped gin up a digital lynch mob while she was on the air for 11 hours. Sorry, I said four. By the time Sako landed, she was mobbed by reporters, was fired from her job, and had to go into hiding. Julian Assad's tweet. When Trump goes low, CNN goes lower, threatens the dox artist behind CNN head video if he makes fun of them again.
But he's fighting back. Kaczynski's fighting back against accusation that his article on Reddit user was created. The Trump WWE gift was basically extortion. Um, I hope it does serve others as inspiration to stop, he added. This is the Hans asshole solo. And it's our fault for misinterpreting the line in the story that sounds a whole lot like extortion. The line is being misinterpreted. I was intended only to mean we had no agreement. Adam Baldwin. Hold on, K-File. Was your non-agreement made with a minor or did you not make it with his parents? How do we put out this fire? Let's try gasoline, Kurt Schilsker said. Um, here's a line so everyone could judge for themselves. CNN reserves the right to publish the Denny should any of that change. All Kaczynski replied as hey and ass solo is an adult. John Gabriel again. So rude of him. Spreading misinformation is CNN's job. <laughs> Terry Christopher. It's, it's a female. It's fun watching CNN decry the spread of misinformation. Neon Taser. It's very important that people don't spread wrong information regarding the age of a person. I doxed and threatened. Now there's times he's been caught doing misinformation. The next multiplier came from Andrew Kaczynski, a journalist at BuzzFeed, who sent out the police scanner misinformation to his 81,000 followers and quickly followed up with, wow, Reddit was right with missing brown student per the police scanner, suspect identified as Sunil Tripafali. Neither mentioned their own involvement spreading the wrong name, and Kaczynski has since deleted the incriminating tweet. This is when he worked for New York Magazine. Luke Milkionis. Interesting. As Kaczynski dug in last night and this morning and hashtag CNN blackmail became the no one trending topic in the United States. Hashtag CNN blackmail story needs to be spread far and wide. The White House should pull their creds, let them buy share from the AP or other outlet. And as of that night, the number one in the world was hashtag CNN blackmail. There are so many, you just wouldn't believe it. Bill Mitchell summed it up. CNN thought they got Trump yet again, and all they ended up with is hashtag CNN blackmail trending on Twitter. Here's the top ten, and there's more. CNN tanks in Tiananmen Square by Paul Joseph Watson. Played a soundbite, but from another day. CNN, if you make wrong think images on the internet, we will dox you. And they posted another Tiananmen Square one, which I thought was funny. Uh, classic, the Three Stooges, with one of it being the CNN. Trump opening a crying baby with CNN. The two soccer players bumping into each other. One is Trump, one is CNN. Another one is Trump teaching a little baby how to fish. And they said, back in the swamp for you. One is a quarterback getting knocked on his ass. That's CNN. Barney Fife, CNN. The meme that's all over the internet with the guy trying to push the damn, a little kid trying to push the garbage can. It goes over the top of him and flips him over. That's CNN. Another wrestling one with everybody getting their ass kicked and all of them are CNN except for the guy kicking the ass. One is a bicycle with a guy riding, putting his own stick in his front spokes and falling on his face. And it says fucking red 
radiators. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. And of course, the number one, which is the number one tweet of all time, is the one of Trump beating the shit out of him in a WWE tweet. An honorable mention was a house fire, which is CNN, little girl evilly looking at you. <laughs> so BuzzFeed found out the CNN source who said the problematic reserve the right to publish line was added during the editing process as a safeguard, and it backfired. It backfired in such a large way, in fact, that BuzzFeed noted Kaczynski and his family are the subject of an ongoing harassment campaign and a protest outside of his friggin' house. Then, this came up, according to an analyst by BuzzFeed, the CNN WWE GIF, the President Donald Trump tweeted last week, was not the same one as the one created by Han Asshole Solo, which means Kaczynski got the wrong guy, and they show the logo and the different aspect ratio, so it was somebody else. But they went after this dude, so once again, he's ruined another person's life, which I think is really funny and they break it down the aspect ratio the logos are different it's not the same guy and then this one got out last night cnn staff reeling after personal info leaked several anchors and reporters of cnn have had their home addresses published and have received threats of rape and other violence in the wake of the story published by andrew kaczynski who headed up the network's investigative k-file team anti-network trolls are encouraging viewers to wrongly accuse cnn staffers of pedophilia child pornography there's also tons of anti-semitism frustration is the predominant feeling inside cnn the mirror learned kaczynski published a story on july 4th blah 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 we know it um but be it the White House correspondent Jim Acosta bitching about press access or New Day host Chris Cuomo deleting a tweet, they're drunk on hate and the perception that the network is not giving Trump a fair shake. They delight in clobbering the network as much as they often often as possible can, which is not proper English, but that's how they wrote it. To be sure, Kaczynski's home address has been posted online and have those of various CNN anchors and reporters. Frustrated by our critics' double standards, a CNN insider said on a condition of anonymity. Frustrated that CNN staffers' private information being published in retaliation when the network made the decision to not out the Reddit user. Frustrated by the speed in which misinformation lies and hate spread. Frustrated that the POTUS Sun has no accountability. Some CNN employees are taking steps to protect themselves, but details are hush-hush. There was a bunch of lefties that actually supported them. Even Neon Taser said people taking douchebaggery to a whole new level, which I agree. Shouldn't go protest. Kaczynski's a fuck. It doesn't matter. You you could firebomb his house. It isn't going to change. He's a fucking tool. So why do people hate CNN? Here's a tweet. Man tries to kill Wasp, but instead sets off fireworks and destroys a stand-alone garage. That's an actual article on CNN International. All the news in the world, in the world, And that's what they cover. Another one is the woman from the middle, Patricia Heaton. CNN has lost all credibility. Actress Patricia Heaton took no crap on Everybody Loves Late Raymond. As it turns out, she has no patience for nonsense on the small screen either. Like many of us, she has witnessed the ongoing battle between CNN and Trump over a tweet which was created by a Reddit user. It was clearly a joke, yet the network took it as a threat. 
She tweeted, ignoring news while on vacay, but K-File at CNN threatening to destroy a 15-year-old or a GIF. Any shred of cred you may have is gone. But Cuomo didn't stop. He took up for K-File, who decided to hide after his information got doxxed, after he threatened to dox somebody else. Is being faceless getting old? Own your words with an identity, truth, faceless hater is not about telling you what you want to hear. Whole thread about, you know what, you guys are all about anonymity, anonymous sources. You never talk about anything. You never point out that you're wrong. This is what you get. And you may not be faceless, Mr. Cuomo, but you never own any of your mistakes. Ever. I've watched your Twitter account. You're an arrogant prick. You think you're American royalty and you can say whatever the fuck you want whenever it's even wrong. Like this. CNN published a fake quote from Abraham Lincoln. Let the people know the facts and the country will be safe. Happy 4th of July from CNN Politics. Celebrate America and its freedoms this Independence Day. The problem is, Abraham Lincoln never said that. Somebody, quote investigator, actually dug it up and shows that was not the quote because he pulled up a paper from 1865. They just made that shit up. Let the people know the facts. Let them see the danger, was the quote. But he did say this. Don't believe everything you read on the internet just because there's a picture with a quote next to it. Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) So Ted Cruz kind of sums this up pretty good. Troubling. I assume CNN's lawyers are examining GA 16-816, Theft by extortion of CNN constructively obtained the gift maker's IP. It's a crime if they threaten to disseminate any information tending to subject any person to hatred, contempt, or ridicule. They broke the law. Do they care? Fuck no. They give no shits. They do not care. They will not care. Not here or there. Not in a boat. Not in with the goat. Not in a moat. It's like a Dr. Seuss show. I just, I just want to end the segment with the phrase I keep saying to you far left freaks that just hate Trump so bad, you, anything goes. Anything, by any means ne- necessary is your credo. You just set the bar. You just set the bar. So when Fox News goes after somebody, shut the fuck up. When your president's in there, and you make some funny memes with a Fox News logo, shut up. Just shut the fuck up. You are setting, you know, Chuck Toad and company do a whole segment on proper political conduct, and then the media does everything wrong. All of them. Everything they say, all their actions, all their coverage, totally biased, 
totally personal. They have made themselves the news. You're setting the bar. When the Democrats in the White House just shut your cock trap. Because you're setting it. You're setting the standard. I mean, the Tea Party was a racist mob who never burned anything down. You people have destroyed cities. You even destroyed cities under Obama, for Christ's sake. So there you go. A major news network blackmailing a citizen all because they hate Trump. Bravo. To a music break and news, social media nuggets. Huh. 
poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. Military Corner, incredible image, shows clouds forming around an F-22 fighter jet as it performs high-speed maneuvers. This photo is so incredible. It literally shows this F-22 going vertical and a cloud goes over it due to the friction and the moisture and the humidity. It's fantastic. DOD, latest North Korean missile, is not one we've seen before, which is a little bit scary. That stuff's getting serious, folks. Really serious. DARPA just outfitted two veteran amputees with next-generation bionic arms. For two veterans, 4th of July marked a different kind of celebration. On June 30th, Army soldiers Fred Downs and Artie McCauley were gifted with new arms by Department of Veterans Affairs Secretary David Shulkin himself in a ceremony in New York. But these aren't exact normal arms. They were developed as part of a defense advanced research project agency project known as Life Under Kinetic Evolution, or LUKE, an eight-year study undertaken by VA to provide veterans with more human-like prosthetics. What makes LUKE arms so special compared to other prosthetics is that they allow for smooth and simultaneous movement using motors at the shoulder, elbow, wrist, and hand to flex and turn or lift and grip. Unlike typical prosthetics, Luke arms provide dexterity, mobility, and grip, almost like a real hand. This is some Luke Skywalker shit. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Here's a great soundbite. A Marine gunner telling you everything you need to know about magazines. Psoriatic arthritis. Psoriatic arthritis. PSA. I was starting out the day in, in so much pain. That pain doesn't go away. Was too much pain. Doesn't go away. Oh, yeah. My hips, my arms, my hands, my feet. Ankles, wrists, hands, lower back. It was painful. Psoriatic arthritis. Yeah. Is always with you. I'm pretty young, and I thought it was kind of like an older person's thing. It doesn't go away. My right hand swelled up so bad that I couldn't even lift stuff. My hips, my arms, my hands, my feet. Ankles, wrists, hands, lower back. I couldn't move. I couldn't get up off the floor. It was a challenge. Stairs were really hard. It was painful. My hips, my arms, my hands, my feet. Ankles, wrists, hands, lower back. My hips, my arms, my hands, my feet. Ankles, wrists, hands, lower back. Watch me be active. Watch me still get out and out. 
Watch me keep winning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Indication. Cosentix, secukinumab, is a prescription medicine used to treat adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Important safety information. Do not use Cosentix if you have had a severe allergic reaction to secukinumab or any of the other ingredients in Cosentix. See the medication guide for a complete list of ingredients. Cosentix is a medicine that affects your immune system. Cosentix may increase your risk of having serious side effects, such as infections, Cosentix may lower the ability of your immune system to fight infections and may increase your risk of infections. Your doctor should check you for tuberculosis, TB, before starting treatment with Cosentix. If your doctor feels that you are at risk for TB, you may be treated with medicine for TB before you begin treatment with Cosentix and during treatment with Cosentix. Your doctor should watch you closely for signs and symptoms of TB during treatment with Cosentix. Do not take Cosentix if you have an active TB infection. Before starting Cosentix, tell your doctor if you are being treated for an infection, have an infection that does not go away or that keeps coming back, have TB or have been in close contact with someone with TB, think you have an infection, or have symptoms of an infection, such as fever, sweats, or chills, muscle aches, cough, shortness of breath, blood in your phlegm, weight loss, warm, red, or painful skin or sores on your body, diarrhea or stomach pain, burning when you urinate or urinate more often than normal. After starting Cosentix, call your doctor right away if you have any signs of infection listed above. Do not use Cosentix if you have any signs of infection unless you are instructed to by your doctor. Inflammatory bowel disease. New cases of inflammatory bowel disease, or flare-ups, can happen with Cosentix and can sometimes be serious. If you have inflammatory bowel disease, ulcerative colitis, or Crohn's disease, tell your doctor if you have worsening disease symptoms during treatment with Cosentix or develop new symptoms of stomach pain or diarrhea. Serious allergic reactions. Serious allergic reactions can occur. Get emergency medical help right away if you get any of the following symptoms. Feeling faint, swelling of your face, eyelids, lips, mouth, tongue, or throat, trouble breathing, or throat tightness, chest tightness, or skin rash. If you have a severe allergic reaction, do not give another injection of Cosentix. Before starting Cosentix, tell your doctor if you have any of the conditions or symptoms listed above for infections. Have inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's disease, or ulcerative colitis. Are allergic to latex. The needle caps contain latex. Have recently received or are scheduled to receive an immunization. Vaccine. People who take Cosentix should not receive live vaccines. Have any other medical conditions. Are pregnant or plan to become pregnant. It is not known if Cosentix can harm your unborn baby. You and your doctor should decide if you will use Cosentix. Are breastfeeding or plan to breastfeed? It is not known if Cosentix passes into your breast milk. Tell your doctor about all the medicines you take, including prescription and over-the-counter medicines, vitamins, and herbal supplements. Know the medicines you take. Keep a list of your medicines to show your doctor and pharmacist when you get a new medicine. How should I use Cosentix? See the detailed instructions for use that comes with your Cosentix for information on how to prepare an injected dose of Cosentix and how to properly throw away, dispose of, used Cosentix Senso-Ready pens and pre-filled syringes. Use Cosentix exactly as prescribed by your doctor. If your doctor decides that you or a caregiver may give your injections of Cosentix at home, you should receive training on the right way to prepare and inject Cosentix. 
Do not try to inject Cosentix yourself until you or your caregiver has been shown how to inject Cosentix by your doctor or nurse. The most common side effects of Cosentix include cold symptoms, diarrhea, and upper respiratory infections. These are not all of the possible side effects of Cosentix. Call your doctor for medical advice about side effects. You are encouraged to report negative side effects of prescription drugs to the FDA. Visit www.fda.gov slash medwatch or call 1-800-FDA-1080. The next one is why I love soldiers. Now, granted, when I was in the military as a senior NCL, my job would have been to tell these guys to shut the fuck up. That's not funny. That is insubordination, or not insubordination. That is dereliction of duty. This is horrible. <laughs> Listening to them talk about this Humvee that free falls in a captured video because it fell off the support that it was being parachuted on is hilarious. But soldier will be charged. Last year, the internet was treated to a video of a three Humvee plunging to their of three Humvees plunging to their doom from a fleet of C-130s during an army parachute jump in Germany. Despite the footage popularity, the only thing we knew about the incident was that there was they were involved in a 173rd Airborne Brigade and heads were definitely going to roll. Now we know that one of those heads belonged to Sergeant John Skipper of the 173rd's 1st Battalion, 91st Cavalry Regiment. Skipper had been charged with destruction of property and making a false official statement regarding his conduct during the incident, Brigade Spokesman Major Juan Martinez stole Stars and Stripes on July 5th. We'll end our military corner with this epic video as these Humvees just fall off, the chutes open, and they burn in. But the, the <laughs> soldier's action, this is why I miss being around Joe. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
fire. On fire down there. God, that's just so fucking funny. It doesn't matter that they know that's a million, you know, about a, you know, I figure three Humvees you're probably talking about, almost $200,000 just went into shit. Or probably more than that for the radios and everything, but their reaction is classic. To our regular with the circus music background, monster black holes spotted orbiting each other for the first time ever. Artist conception of a pair of supermassive black holes orbiting each other at the center of galaxy 0402 plus 379, located 750 million light years away, is the first time that scientists see them orbiting each other. And this is some geeky Star Trek trap sounding shit, but, um, Basically, some of it, judging by the gravitational effects these black holes had on their surroundings, the two behemoth harbor a combined mass of about 15 billion times that of the sun. That's the cool shit. I love science shit. Emily Regiano Zagowicz says she can couldn't land acting job because her boobs are too big. I'm covering this because she's a hateful resistance member. Emily Rajaskowicz says her breasts are holding her back from getting acting jobs. The actress who first broke onto the scene as one of the topless models in Robin Thicke's Blurred Lines video says she thinks it's a form of gender discrimination. There's this thing that happens to me. Oh, she's too sexy. It's like an anti-woman thing that people don't want to work with me because my boobs are too big, she says. What's wrong with boobs? The beautiful feminine thing that needs to be celebrated. Like, who cares? They're great big. They're great small. What should... That, why should that be the issue? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Americans spend four years of their lives escaping reality. From the 22 minutes an average person spends daydreaming each day to the books, films, and TV we get lost in, a new survey tallied the common times and activities people use to get away from reality, finding that we rack up just under 13 hours of escapism per week. The study of 2,000 adults across the United States, which was commissioned by the global tour operator G Adventures, showed 12 hours, 56 minutes of escaping our reality each week. It comes partly in the form of reading books, that's 1 hour and 34 minutes, watching movies, 2 hours and 37 minutes, and dreaming of vacations, 44 minutes. Other popular forms of escape, the trends highly among those surveyed involve exploring new places, 56 minutes, listening to music, 2 hours and 47 minutes, and playing video games, 1 hour and 29 minutes. The most common daydream Americans confess to is thought of winning the lottery by 60%, 54% going on a vacation, traveling somewhere exotic was 50% of the people. They didn't put podcasting in there, so I guess my three hours, six hours a week of podcasting is me escaping reality because I don't play video games. Pregnant woman, dig this one. This is this this is a Florida thing, and if anybody's listened to Dana Lowe, she has a great show out of St. Louis. You should listen to it. You can get her podcast for free. She does a section called Florida Man. Almost every time I do a crazy story, it's some jackass from Florida. Pregnant woman arrested for cupcake battery. Floridian, 24, pelted brother over sweets in a 1.45 a.m. quarrel. You know, nothing good comes after midnight. I'm just saying, nothing good. A pregnant Florida woman was arrested for domestic battery after pelting her brother with frosted cupcakes. According to cops, 
Latona Dottery, 24, was quarreling with a 30-year-old sibling when the verbal argument escalated. Dottery, seen above, allegedly picked up frosted cupcakes and threw them at Eddie Yato. The cupcakes, an arrest affidavit notes, struck Yato in the arm and chest. Yato, investigators say, retaliated by removing frosting off his arms and whipping it in her hair. Somehow, someway, this is a sign of the end of days that you're actually going to do this and, and charge somebody. It, they charge her because it exceeded a reasonable person, reasonable response and self-defense, prompting officers to arrest him, him for aggravated battery. Daughtery told police that she was about four to six weeks pregnant, was released from jail Saturday evening after purchasing a 1000 bond. Yaddo remains locked up in lieu of a $10,000 bond. While police took note of the blue frosting in Daughtery's hair, the cupcakes themselves were not collected as evidence. They probably ate them. Sorry, that was my childish dick. Hello, cops. But, come on. You eat a lot of cupcakes. Shortage of eligible men has left women taking desperate steps to preserve their fertility, experts say. Dearth of marriageable men have left an oversupply of educated women taking desperate steps to preserve their fertility. The first global study in egg freezing found that shortage of eligible men were the prime reason why women attempted to take matters in their own hands. Experts said terrifying demographic shifts created a deficit of educated men and a growing problem of leftover professional women with female graduates vastly outnumbering males. So basically what you're saying is you're too smart for men? Isn't that sexist? I don't know. This one is from Game of Thrones because it's coming up. Winter is coming on the 17th. I'm so excited because I love that show. We're actually finishing all six seasons. We just did another binge watch. Incredible graveyard of 5,000-year-old giants found in China. Graveyard of giants buried 5,000 years ago has been uncovered by archaeologists in China. The men whose bones were discovered in Jinga village near Jinan City in Shandong province would have towered above many of the contemporaries. They were 5 feet 11 inches tall, which would have been a giant to the average person 5,000 years ago. I'm 5'10". Chinese dudes are pretty short. I wonder if they were part of the walkers. Or were they wildlings? Hmm. Rise in Times Square costume character complaints despite drop and arrest? Report says. Not reading the article. I hate New York City. That's all I want to say. I fuck New York. Really? What? what? Wow. Wow. At the movies in China, some propaganda with your popcorn. The house lights dim. The moviegoers of Beijing cinema settled in with their popcorn for some of Hollywood's finest escapist entertainment. But first, they got a dose of Communist Party propaganda, courtesy of China Film Authority, a short video message promoting socialist core values. Chinese cinemas have been ordered to play one of four government-issued videos before every movie screening. Theater managers in several Chinese cities confirmed on Wednesday that they have received the order, which went into effect last week. Besides socialist core values, the videos promote President Xi Jinping's cherished Chinese dream and two other Communist Party slogans, the four comprehensive and the five-in-one overall arrangement. Really? Maybe we should do that so the left could go crazy. I know I do miss going to military movies. I used to love the Star Spangled Banner in front. I thought it was the best thing ever. I don't see anything wrong with it. But we used to be that country. 
least something. It wasn't probably was called war propaganda, but at least they did something. Now we burn flags. Good job, left. Swedish music festival to go women only following string of sexual assaults. And basically they've been some sexual assaults, so this this one huge one that is big Swedish concert. Women only. Wow. Into our college classrooms we go with our usual craziness. Professor teaches students about the problem that is whiteness. Isn't that nice? Air, uh, Fairfield, Connecticut. Serious exploration into race to focus on the problem of whiteness and be grounded in the claim that it, it's hegemonic power apparatus. A Fairfield University professor suggested at a recent conference aimed at pushing radical social change in higher education. How more radical can we get? I guess we'll find out. The remarks from Associate Professor of Philosophy, Dr. Chris Seeley, who spoke about her strategies for discussing race in the classroom, presented at a diversity conference for employees of Jesuit colleges. So more and more, the courses that I teach on race have become courses in which I expect my students to engage in the hegemonic power of whiteness, said Seeley, who taught courses such as Black Lives Matter and Critical Race Theory. Critical Race Theory. That's got to be an interesting class. I'm sure I must sit in the corner and bow during it. Celia, scholar of color, said her approach toward teaching race has much to do with teaching at Fairfield University, a predominantly white institution, and requires difficult conversations that force students to reevaluate how they understand themselves. Hence, part of what makes pedologies of racial studies particularly difficult are the stake that they invariably include for all parties involved. Seeley's comments were based in the book Black Bodies, White Gazes, The Continued Significance of Race, and that's all I'm reading. Shut the fuck up. Oh, I'll read this too. In 2013 op-ed published by New York Times, Yancey described the white gaze as hegemonic and wrote that include poisonous assumptions and bodily perceptual practices. Really? Hmm. Sounds like you have a problem. It closes that she wants to do, she wants the undoing of a white centric universe. Man, if somebody white said that, what would we say? But that's our colleges. Cause this one's even worse. Ouch! Brazilian wax test question nets Howard University professor a 504 day Title IX investigation sanction. Case and part of a larger pattern of college and university punishing constitutional protected expression under the guise of addressing sexual harassment. This is from FIRE, which we covered uh, about 10, 15, 30 podcasts ago. A test question about a hot wax has landed one Howard University professor in hot water with a Title IX investigator. On May 4th, law professor Reginald Robinson, who is African-American, was found responsible for sexual harassment after two students complained about a test question involving Brazilian wax and an upset client. After a 504-day investigation, administrators determined that Robinson would be required to undergo mandatory sensitivity training, prior administrator review of future test questions, and classroom observation. This broke it down pretty well. The two losers who are females, African-Americans, said that it may make me have to admit I get Brazilian wax. Thus, it's sexual harassment. And both them pieces of shit failed the test. So, uh, what? What? So stupid. 
but so is this. Millennials aren't ready for the reality of life and suffer from panic attacks and anxiety problems. Study of 2,000 would-be students found many aren't prepared for university life. More than half of millennials don't know how to pay a bill or real rent cost of rent. Researchers warn that prospects of leaving home is worrying many millennials. Around half are anxious at this prospect, and 27% are having panic attacks. Get a grip, participation trophy kids. Life's out there. Life is out there, and stupid shit like this is stuff you like, but when you get older, you won't. No gender designation on Canadian health card of baby born to non-binary trans parents. In a possible world first, a baby in Canada was born outside the medical system in British Columbia, which means home-born, and did not receive a gentle inspection, was given a health card without a gender. Instead, the card listed as you, and CNN reported this as a victory. These are two non-binary trans people. It's up to Searle to decide how they identify when they are old enough to develop their own gender identity, Dottie said. I'm not going to foreclose their choices based on an arbitrary assignment of gender at birth, based on inspection of their genitals. She said, or he said, because I guess they don't go by either. When I was born, doctors looked at my genitals, made an assumption about who I would be, and those assignments followed me and followed my identification throughout life. Those assumptions were incorrect, and I ended up having to do a lot of adjustments since then. Sweet Jesus. Coming to a hospital near you. This this is going to come. They're so brave, as people tweeted. So brave. This one's brave too. Volvo plans to go electric. They will no longer make conventional engines as of 2019. We'll see how far that goes. Unless their asses can find a fucking battery that can go to the Grand Canyon. Nobody's buying it in America other than libs that live in the bubble and never leave New York City. Book! Feminists should embrace their inner witch! Or something. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? The question is currently being asked by feminists who want to use the idea of being a witch to their advantage. In a new book, Witches, Sluts, Feminist, Conjuring the Sex Positive, author Kristen J. Soley argues that witches are a good term to fall back on for feminists. Men have always feared powerful women. The Guardian's review of the book glorified the new side of feminist fight, quoting lines from the book such as... Witches, sluts, and feminists embody the potential for self-directed feminine power and sexual and intellectual freedom. The unique oppression faced by witches of color. This is a book I will never, ever, ever read. Wow. What the fuck? AMC's turn, Washington spies showed fake news during the revolution. Oh, Isn't this nice? Art and imitating life. The mainstream media has a way of either embellishing or omitting information as they say fit. On AMC's turn, the show that I've never watched, Washington Spies, we see a very similar scenario taking place on Saturday's episode, Nightmare, American spy Robert Townsend and his loyalist business partner, James Rivington, exchange their opinions on an author's personal influence over story after Rivington has embellished a skirmish between some Americans and British soldiers. Yeah. Fake news. Good for you. 
Netflix drama sexualizes eight-year-old girl as either trans or lesbian. If you have Netflix, you'll see lately, whether you want it or not, you're going to get your gay dose. There's always a category for gay. It's always there. Whether you want it or not, they will show gay, trans, orange is the new black. They're just shoving it on you because they believe everybody needs to be educated. Netflix's latest original series, Gypsies, debuted in a 10-episode season on June 30th. And honestly, I've been dreading its release all the way. With its trailer alone promoting a plot of psychiatrists having an affair with a parent's ex-girlfriend, I couldn't help but fear that they didn't show. Could it really get any worse than that? Sprinkling in a few more graphic sex scenes and a gender-confused 8-year-old? I must say yes. That's right, in the midst of yet another affair story, because Hollywood can't get enough of destroying monogamy, we get a story about a gender and sexual confusion of Jean, Naomi Watts, 8-year-old daughter, Dolly. You see, Dolly is a girl interested in Star Wars, the Avengers, and martial arts. I remember when a girl who showed interest in Star Wars or football which is considered a tomboy, not a boy trapped in a girl's body. These details are now apparently enough to promote the idea that she should someday identify as a he. Sadly, that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to this story. From the very first episode, we are told of an incident where Dolly has kissed a fellow female classmate. The teacher and parents are quick to dismiss the idea that the fact that she kissed a girl is in any way relevant. In fact, any suggestion to contrary is treated as absurd. It's the kissing alone, not the gender of those doing it. That is the problem because it disrupts the school's safe place rule. Just about the only thing I agree with this entire series is the line in the clip, this sexuality stuff starts early, it's true, but is this really supposed to help? It seems to go over the heads of people in liberal Hollywood, you know, the ones pushing for sexuality stuff to start early for kids, that sexualizing young children shockingly doesn't have good results until they realize that things will only get worse for children, not better. Everything is trans. I called it. That's the next frontier because they, they've run out of shit to pander for boats for. Vatican police break up gay orgy at home of one of Pope Francis' advisor. The flat belonged to Holy Office, which is in charge of tackling sexual abuse amongst the clergy. Well, isn't that nice? That's, that's just so nice. Good job. Good job, Vanekin. What the frickin' hell and shit and hell and shit and hell and shit. So for our lighter fare today, boys and girls, we gotta make fun of our good buddy, Jim Acosta, who is still on his rant, surprisingly, after weeks and weeks of somehow because you can't video a press conference, we are losing our right to a free press. Secondly, he is so butthurt because he's such a dick. Now nobody wants to call on him. And, you know, I remember Obama was no different. I remember Major Garrett, who worked for a non-Fox entity, actually arguing with him once. Never got called on again. Media didn't have a problem with it. Liberals didn't have a problem with it. But now they just have a huge problem that if unless they're asking CNN and MSNDNC every goddamn question, it's an alt-right, white nationalist, fucking racist conspiracy. So let's listen to Jimmy Boy wet his pants over press conference. Uh, but I think we're well past that now. I think we're at the stage where we have to try the other approach, which is 
we have to stand up to this. We have to confront this and say that it's wrong. And I know I, I speak for myself. I can't speak for everybody who has covered uh, Donald Trump uh, since he was a candidate. But I, you know, I covered him throughout much of that campaign. And now, now that he's president of the United States, my concern is, and I know it's shared by others, is that this kind of rhetoric, this kind of behavior, is going to lead to a journalist being hurt. And that's the thing that I worry about. Uh, I hate that I'm worried about that on Fourth of July weekend when we're all supposed to be celebrating our freedoms, including uh, the First Amendment, uh, the right to free speech and a free press. Uh, but that's that's what I'm concerned about. And I think where we stand right now is people have a choice on all sides of the political spectrum, on on both sides of the political aisle. Uh, where are you going to stand in all of this? Are you going to say, well, it's okay for the president to engage in this kind of behavior, to attack the news media, try to intimidate the news media? Uh, he's trying to silence us, uh, Frederica. That's that's what's going on here. Or are people going to say, you know, enough is enough? And, uh, you know, I, I just think that uh, we've reached that point where people need to say enough is enough. It doesn't matter what party you're from, what side of the political spectrum you're on. Uh, th this is just not the kind you should uh, expect to come from the President of the United States. And so I, I completely understand the point from some of my colleagues who say, in, in the press, who say, you know, if you engage in this, then you're encouraging this behavior, which is really aimed at provoking a conversation about the news media instead of about the President's policies. I totally get that. But at the same time, we, we've reached the point where the behavior has to be labeled for what it is, and, and it, is, it is just wrong. It is unhealthy behavior. It's unbecoming for the President of the United States to be doing all this. I, I would love to be focused on policy. I'd love to be focused on uh, health care, the environment, uh, foreign policy. Now we just have to stand up, confront it, and say this is wrong. There's no right side. There's no both sides of this issue. There's no, well, on one uh, hand and on the other hand, it's just wrong. You are such a walking vagina. I, I, I've been calling him a twat, but Jenna Jameson nails it. You're just a walking vagina. Your, your hypocrisy, your hyperbole, your faux outrage. It's so tiring. And I, and I think it's to a point that America looks at you and just laughs. You have made the news about yourself. It's not Trump anymore. It's you. You make the news about yourself because you're a twat. Go away, little boy. You're not running towards the fire. If you were running towards real fire, and that being weapons firing at you, you would piss your little pants like the bitch that you are. So I close with a great article, How the Left Lost Its Mind. Polemicist, conspiracist, and outright fabulist are feeding an alternative media landscape where the implausibility of a claim is no bar to its acceptance. Last month, Democratic Senator Ed Malarkey delivered what seemed like an explosive bit of news during an interview with CNN. A grand jury had been impaneled in New York, he said, to investigate the Trump campaign's alleged collusion with Russia. Russia. The only problem, it wasn't true. The precise origin of the rumor are difficult to pin down, but it has been ricocheting around several so social media for days before Malarkey's interview. The story had no reliable sourcing and not a single credible news outlet touched it, but it had been fervently championed by the Palmer Report, a liberal blog known for peddling conspiracy theories and by anti-Trump Twitter crusaders like Louis Mensch. 
Soon enough, prominent people with blue check marks by their names were amplifying it with a big, if true, type tweets. And by May 11th, the story migrated from the bowels of the Internet to the mouth of the United States Senator. After Malarkey's office apologized for spreading an unsubstantiated story, there was a mild flurry of articles warning of fake news aimed at the left, and then everyone moved on. But the episode jarringly illustrates an under-examined phenomenon in American politics. Over the past two decades, an immense amount of journalistic energy was spent exploring the right-wing media ecosystem from talk radio to Fox News to Breitbart and beyond and documenting its growing influence on mainstream GOP politics. There's turned out to be a worry, worthy and prescient pursuit, and if any doubt remains about that, I'd present President Donald Trump as Exhibit A. While serious Republicans of the political class spent years scoffing at the entertainers and provocateurs on the supposedly powerless fringe, the Denzians of the fever swamp were busy taking over the party. By 2017 poses the question, could the same thing be happening to the left? It's a prospect that deserves more serious attention and debate than it's gotten this year. The Trump era has given rise to a vast alternative left-wing media, which I like to call the alt-left, infrastructure that operates largely out of view of the casual news consumer but commands a massive audience and growing influence in liberal America. There are pulmonic podcasters and partisan click farms, wild-eyed conspiracists and cynical fabulists, some traffic heavily in rumor and wage campaigns of misinformation. Others are merely aggregators and commentators who have carved out a corner of the web for themselves. But taken all together, they form a media universe where partisan hysteria is too easily stoked and a fake news can travel at the speed of light. Before we go on, let me try to quiet the cries of false equivalence. Before they begin, no, these personalities and publications do not yet wield the same influence in the DNC that their counterparts do in the GOP. But ignoring them would be a mistake. In recent months, some of the most irresponsible actors in this world have proven alarmingly adept and influenced venated figures of the left, from public intellectuals to world-famous celebrities to elected officials. What follows an attempt to map the topography of the left's modern alternative media landscape. It's by no means comprehensive, but hopefully provides a useful start to the kind of exploration and anthropology that is needed. In past political epochs, popular conspiracy theories spread via pamphlets left on windshields or chain emails forwarded a thousand times. These days, the tinfoil hat crowd gathers on Twitter. People like Mensch, Claude Taylor, Andrea Chalup, Eric Garland, and Lee McAuliffe feed their followers a steady diet of highly provocative speculation, rumor, and innuendos that make it sound as if Trump's presidency, and really the entire Republican Party, is perpetually on the verge of spectacular meltdown. The most prolific of the conspiracy conspiracy mongers tend to focus on Russia scandal, weaving a narrative so sensationalistic and complex that it could pass for a Netflix political drama. Theirs is a world where it is acceptable to allege that hundreds of American politicians, journalists, and government officials are actually secret Russian agents, that Andrew Breibart was murdered by Vladimir Putin, that the Kremlin is compromised on everyone, and oh, by the way, a president-ending sex tape is going to drop any day. Writing recently in the New Republic, Sarah Jones identified the popularity of these notorious tweet stormers, some of whom boast followings in the hundreds of thousands as part of a disturbing emerging trend on the left. Liberals desperate to believe that the right conspiracy will take down Donald Trump promote their own purveyor of fake news, she wrote. 
If Twitter is where liberal conspiracy theorists germinate and spread among news junkies, Facebook is where anti-Republican propaganda can go wide. Facebook pages like Occupy Democrats have millions of fans who ensure that every meme, video, and breathless blog post they publish has a good chance of virality. The content plastered across these pages includes standard-issue clickbait, Trump just did something awful at his golf course, and our hyperbolic headlines, Queen Elizabeth just told Trump to go fuck himself, and it's perfect. But these feeds are also studied with straightforward fake news. An analysis by BuzzFeed during the frenzied final weeks of 2016 election found that nearly 20% of the stories posted by three extremely popular liberal Facebook pages, Occupy Democrats, the other 98%, which everybody in Oregon liked, and I see them tweeted all the time, and addicting info were either partly or mostly false. While conservative Facebook pages were even more likely to spread false stories, BuzzFeed's findings shows severe as a re- should serve as a red flag for the kind of news that millions of rank-and-file Democrats are getting on the world's largest social media platform. The roots of the liberal blogosphere can be traced back to the early Bush years when Marcos Mulatas launched the Daily Cost to crusade against an oppressive and war-crazed administration. Josh Marshall used Talking Points Memo to take the Senate Majority Leader to task. A decade and a half later, some of the blogs of that era matured into more professional news sites like TPM, while others have disappeared. But in 2017, the left has more niche political sites than ever, and in many ways, they make up the core of its modern media ecosystem. Some are relative newcomers like the Palmer Report, the publication of record for anti-Trump conspiracy nuts who don't care about the credibility of the record. Share Blue, a viral news site that aspires, according to its founder, David Brock, to become the Breitbart of the left. And Patriotics, home to Mensch Russia-related rumor-mongering. Meanwhile, old-school platforms like Reddit and Daily Kos continue to host freewheeling forums that attract the kind of occasionally enlightened, occasionally deranged conversations that tend to thrive into those environments. And the HuffPo contributor platform, an unvetted, unedited section of site that operates apart from its professional journalism, which I would not call professional, has been a vehicle for some of the most bizarre and outright crazies content to go viral on the left in recent years. Just this month, editors were forced to delete a contributor post that began impeach and remove from office only the first step for America to be redeemed. Donald Trump must be prosecuted for treason and if convicted in a court of law, executed. And throughout last year's primary, Seth Aberson, a creative writing professor at the University of New Hampshire, uses HuffPost perch to churn out a procession of increasingly delusional blog posts explaining why Bernie Sanders would inevitably win the Democratic nomination. Aberson's argument not only denied political realities to delegated math as the race wore on, they often denied basic human logic. But thanks to the hordes of Bernie fans desperately scouring the Internet for some hope to cling on, Aberson's post consistently went uber-viral. He eventually wrote a post... Defending this shameless play for clicks is a form of experimental journalism, the multidimensional of metanarrative, the metanarrative, sorry. The Washington Post, Matt O'Brien responded via Twitter, area academic rights barely comprehensible defense of lying. 
These days, Emerson's main platform is Twitter, where he has over 150,000 followers and specializes in imminent indictment stories in the style of criminal complaints. As with right-wing publishers, the content produced by these liberal sites varies widely in terms of quality, credibility, and good faith. At their best, they can offer the kind of radical viewpoint and unique insight that don't commonly make it onto the high-profile platforms of mainstream liberalism like MSDNC and New York Times op-ed page. Are you fucking shitting me? Yeah, it does. At the worst, they serve up shallow partisan affirmation and dishonest propaganda, and rarely do they... More responsible publishers in the ecosystem spend time proactively debunking rumors of falsehoods that are circulating amongst their audience. The constellation of popular podcasts that have emerged on the left serves many as the same function that right-wing talk radio hosts served for the audience in the early days. They provide a mix of commentary, entertainment, and partisan catharsis, a safe space to process the daily onslaught of bad news. The host tends not to be household names, but to the listeners, they're superstars. The more successful podcasters are able to sell out theaters for live shows that can even get recognized on the street, in certain zip codes at least. The nature of the medium walled off from the web and unplugged from social media means that even the irresponsible podcasts are not innately in integral to the spread of sketchy information on the left. Many of the most popular podcasts, including those from the mainstream Democrats of the crooked media empire, are careful with their evidence and claims, working to debunk conspiracy theories and hosting guests with a variety of views. And the gleefully vulgar champions of the dirtbag left at Chapo Trap House make a point of mocking the Russian conspiracists. Above all, what they offer their stressed-out listeners is a sense of community, plus plenty of discount codes for Blue Apron. Yeah, that's always on the left. One sign of the potential power in this alternative media universe is the regularity with which stories that originate there end up reaching public figures with real influence. These may, these may be people who are relatively unsophisticated when it comes to politics and media, but whose prominence in other fields, academia, history, law, literature, give them a certain sheen of trustworthiness. So when they share stories from fringe outlets on Twitter or Facebook, many are inclined to take them seriously. <clears throat> on the about page from Palmer Report, the site thinks a range well range of well-known people in mainstream media outlets to claim have shared its dubious reporting, including Representative Ted Lieu, former Michigan Governor Jennifer Granholm, former DNC Chair Howard Dean, the actors Mark Ruffalo, and Deborah Messing, Newsweek, The Oregonian, and an array of MSDNC contributors. Lawrence Tribe, the renowned Harvard scholar of constitutional law, has been an especially active booster for the site, routinely tweeting links to highly questionable, unverified news stories about Trump. Last April, when Jason Chaffetz announced that Wood resign his House seat, the Palmer Report published an anonymously sourced bombshell claiming the FBI discovered the Utah congressman was being blackmailed by the Kremlin. The story was characterized Characteristic of the site, well-worn shtick. But that didn't stop Ned Price, a former special assistant to President Obama, from credulously passing along on Twitter. Interesting, if single-sourced, article from a few days ago. Eric Schultz, a senior advisor to Obama, then chimed in, Too bad nobody flagged this earlier. When journalists began pressing the duo on why they were sharing a story from a website with such a spotty track record of accuracy, Price's response was telling. Every once in a blue moon... The tin hat can fit. The left will never look at itself. 
Once again, as proven over and over on the show, the left believes they're the smartest people in the room. The left believes they're the only people that could run this country. The left believes all Americans agree 100% with everything they fucking gin up. Every little partisan bullshit they pull out of their ass. Yet I would tell you, as much as this article tried to go, well, they're not as bad as the right. Go to iTunes. Look at podcasts. See who is promoted on the front page. Granted, I have a small listenership. You have to search for me. Little small podcasts like me don't get featured on iTunes, Google, Stitcher. Lefties do. They will push every left site. And they'll inaccurately say that these are the top ones. When you go to see their listenership, it's not even big. Fox News was pushing Chris Steyerwalt and Dana Perino's. I don't remember the fucking name of it because I hate them both. Hit podcast. I went and looked at the listens. They were not a hit podcast. But they were featured for right wing. And when you sum up ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, MSDNC, and PBS, New York Times, Washington Post, Boston Globe, LA Times, Oregonian, Seattle Times, folks, the left owns the media. The left owns the TV, the print. They own it. On the web, they've always owned it. Damn underground. Moveon.org. HuffPo. These are mainstream sites. HuffPo started as an anti-Republican site, and now it's considered a real news source. How is it considered a real news source? Barack Hussein Obama let him come into the White House press room. Now, when you have somebody from the Daily Caller or um, Town Hall... They get asked questions. The media freaks out about it, but they didn't say shit about HuffPo. HuffPo, Arianna Huffington, was a lefty. She started a media group. It was left. If you go to their webpage, as I have during anything huge, it is hyperbole with tinfoil hats all over it. They're like the New York Times with Abu Ghraib. Russia's been on the front for a year. The only medium conservatives have is talk radio. That's it. Is that because it's a big conspiracy? No. Air America tried. It failed. Liberals didn't listen to it. Why? I don't know. Nobody's done a study on nobody wanted to listen to Rachel Maddow run her cock trap or vagina trap because she's gay. Nobody wanted to listen to her. Randy Rhodes, some of the most horrible statements that make Rush Limbaugh look professional. But people in America believe the right owns the media because of the radio. But at the end of the day, that's not a true statement. It's only believed because they throw them out there whenever they say something horrible. They get front page news. 
Randy Rhodes was saying Bush needed to be killed. Nobody cared. When Keith Oberman was screaming on his fucking TV show that nobody was watching, that didn't make anybody else's network but Fox News. I just think it's really funny. There's one network that's conservative in the evening and the morning. That's Fox. During the day, they're straight up news. They got fucking Shep Smith, a liberal on. Tell me where you find a conservative on CNN. On any show. Tell me where you find a conservative on MSDNC. On any show. Fox used to have Hannity and Combs until Combs wanted to quit. Their nightly show had a liberal on it. Every night a liberal gets on Fox News. Tell me whenever you have ever seen a conservative on Rachel Maddow. Lawrence O'Donnell. Occasionally on Chris Matthews. But it's just to rip them apart. This fake news stuff, once again, and the reason why I read the article, is not owned by the right. The left has now taken over the mantle. And some of the things I see on lefties, like the 98 percenters on Facebook, which once again, I'm labeling all you Oregonians out there that are friends on me on Facebook, sweet Jesus, you have made the right look like they're not insane. Some of the stories that I see people retweet, it's some dude in his boxer shorts eating Cheetos in the basement of his parents' house who doesn't have a job and he just made it up and you're clicking it. It's nothing but clickbait. So once again, every time our media turns its gun towards conservatives, you normal Americans, don't be fooled. Both sides have their fringe Both sides have their crazies. But when you do the sum as a conservative independent, you sum out the only medium the right owns is radio, podcasting, print media, mainstream media. That is all the left all the time. And when you say, oh, that's not true, Tony. Well, there's not a single goddamn network that ever gave Trump positive coverage. There was not one newspaper that I can remember that actually picked Trump over Hillary Clinton. Checkmate. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends and send an email with comments to foppodcast at gmail.com, foppodcast at gmail.com. You can get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember, check out the Flyover Politics webpage at foppodcast.com, foppodcast.com. It's a theme. To see links to feeds for the show, links to our Facebook page, and to email us. There you'll also see links to every episode on the episode release page and a blog on my blog page. Going to blog today while I'm at work. I figure, give me something to do. I am going to take a, what the hell is it? Uh, <clears throat> is this Friday? Yeah, it's Friday. But take two days off. Going to do another podcast on Monday the 10th. And from now on, I'm going to try to get in a rhythm of Monday and Friday podcast, unless something major happens. I am moving tonight, so I'll have every morning to sit at the house and do some podcasting. I hope you all have a fantastic weekend. Make sure to take time with your family and friends. Turn off the freaking TV, the phone, the tablet. 
the game system, just talk to each other. Just talk to each other. Life is short. It goes by really fast. And you're going to have a lot of regrets if all you're doing is escaping from reality, as that little survey says. Take care, my friends. And as always, thanks for listening.